Hey, Nate, did you order that new entertainment system for us? Yep, yep, I got us a uh, Holocube S. Wait, S? I thought it was X that we were supposed to be going with. Why got us an S? There's an X? Yeah, the X is the new one. But but this one's better than what we had, too. Then why is there another one coming if if we have this one? Uh, I guess we'll just have to upgrade again. You know what? Next time, boss, enunciate. I wouldn't be able to recognize which system is which without the red arm, would I? Why don't they just call it the Scorpio? Enjoy your stay, I suggest a new strategy. You really belong here with us, fun club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars in gaming. And I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. I'm the administrator of this facility, and your host, Michael Morris. And that other guy who's always showing up and derailing things, that's right, I'm calling you out, Nathan P. Butler. I don't derail things on accident. I do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So, this is... A big episode. This is one I've been excited about for like a week now. And you're like, settle down, settle down. Let's wait till it's over. And I'm like, but, but, but. And you're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, fine. You were wanting to do this episode like a day in. You were like, okay, so so it finishes on Tuesday, right? I'm like, dude, it starts on Tuesday. They're just doing all their stuff early. It's You were very, you, you were very uh, overexcited for this one, though it turns out there's quite a bit to be excited about, along with some stuff that made me go, meh. Yeah, Raving Rabbids. Woohoo! Hey, my my <laughs> wife loves Raymond. Is that close? Yeah, sure, why not? That was... That Cartoons? Was yeah, Um, but on top of it, we got a uh, a special guest that been wanting to get on the, the podcast for a while, um, and he's a, a fellow member of Twi'leks of the Night, Maybe some people know what that is. Maybe some people don't. Uh, but oh, we're, we're 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 saying that, huh? Yeah. People know That's everybody. Ev and uh, like everybody's mentioned it, so it's it's been on. Riley's mentioned it. Um, I know Matt's mentioned it. I, I'm pretty sure even William has mentioned it on. Uh, on oh, it's a secret on, club. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so, think of the name. Yeah. So now now um, Aaron's the only one who's not actually been on Cloud City Casino. From, from the group, but uh, yeah, it's William Devereaux. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk oh. Star Wars gaming. Love that excitement, Michael. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's William Devereaux. Oh, well, well, there you go. Oh, it's only We're, him. Oh, we need the, oh. uh, we need the clapping or something in the turn, background. Turn it off the now, guys. Cause... What are you I was, I was thrown off because I didn't expect to be questioned on my decision to Mention our secret club that's not so secret. <laughs> the secret club I don't even know about. That's okay, though. Uh, well, Wayne, it's good listen. to have you. It's It's been a while. It's been quite a while since we've had a chance to uh, to have a discussion on podcast-related issues. So, uh, very cool. And you are certainly the man to speak to um, on the particular topic this time around. Um, but why is that? Uh, well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess we're, we're talking about all sorts of things. We're gonna, uh, there's a lot of great gaming announcements um i am a a former xbox mvp um that's like you know where do you get for being an independent contributor in the in the community and then uh, i i do i do work for microsoft but i do not speak for the company i don't work on xbox at all so these are just my opinions just to be super clear i'm a completely different part of the company as it's an enormous company 
but uh, I do love Xbox, uh, being a former Xbox MVP. So uh, this you'll hear hear my 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 fan impressions. Yes. Uh, so you're show. sort of the the Microsoft yeah. fanboy. I'd say I'm sort of the the Sony fanboy. Michael is somewhere in between. Um, but we all game on whatever consoles we happen to yes. have. I know you said that you actually have. You've even picked up the Switch recently, so you got all three current gen consoles. Yeah, right? I do. I do. Yeah, I have. I have PS4. I have Xbox One, and I have the Switch. So, I uh, I enjoy games on all platforms. Yes, I'm just a big gamer. And, and <laughs> William is the one responsible for Windows Vista. Hey now, <laughs> I'm just playing. You would. You probably. I actually, been... I actually liked Vista. It wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. I'm just waiting for you know the Xbox One version of Excel. I mean that's that's going to be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so Let's what we're talking about, this. of course, um, we're talking about E3, and E3 had quite a few big announcements, way more than we could cover in one podcast. Um, but of course, what we want to hit is sort of the big picture stuff, uh, along with some specifics as they pertain to Star Wars and some of the bigger announcements. So we want to get a sense of what was going on with Nintendo. Uh, of course, them having the Switch now, the Wii U sort of sort of trailing off, and of course, still pushing the uh, Nintendo 3DS with the new 3DS. We're going to be taking a look at Sony, who of course at this point is really pushing uh, PlayStation 4 Pro over regular PlayStation 4, PlayStation VR, and basically not really talking about the PlayStation Vita anymore that's kind of died an ignominious death. And then of course, the biggest news probably coming out of the entire thing being uh, the announcement of a new console iteration for Microsoft as they move from the Xbox One launch version to Xbox One S to Xbox One S. Yes, an S and then an X. Thankfully, there was no Xbox One E in the middle. Otherwise, the acronyms would have just been wrong yeah, and perfect, perfect for the little kids uh, for the uh, prepubescent uh, <laughs> boys. So I guess... Um, Anyway, let's start with the one that is probably going to be the one that we have the least, I would imagine, to say about. Let's let's talk some Nintendo. Hey. Nintendo came out. Um, they always take sort of a different approach to their E3 presentation, very much focused on uh, the Switch this time. But they got some big announcements out there, uh, mm-hmm. not least of which that's seeming to get probably the most attention, being the fact that they've got uh, they got two new. Metroid games coming, or one new and one remake, kind of how Zero Mission was a remake of the original game. Then now we have a remake coming of Metroid 2. Um, what did you guys think of the the, the Nintendo presence and uh, and what they had to offer or announce this time at E3? I thought they did a good job. Uh, I think they need to show more third-party support. I mean, they had their... They had the, 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 arguably, one of the biggest third-party announcements was... Um, uh, they they had the Mario versus uh, Rabbids game uh, with Ubisoft. That's a big thirty party one, uh, and they had um, Skyrim on Switch and and Minecraft on Switch. But both of those are are older games that have been around on all the other platforms for a very long time. So I thought they did a they did a decent job. But I want to see more third party support for it. That being said, I usually just play the exclusives on Switch anyway since I. I have other consoles for the multi-platform titles, so I guess less concerning. I just kind of wanted to see a um, a Smash new Smash Brothers game. We didn't get that, but we got a bunch of new Mario stuff, and people are really seem to be loving the um, what we what we learned about Mario this year. Yeah, I, th- I think the reason that um, was said that they they're not 
announcing the uh, the Smash Brothers game just yet is because they're wanting to uh, let the the Pokémon tournament game uh, kind of have its day. Mm. So. Yeah, I just I guess I don't really care about Pokémon tournament as much than Smash Brothers. Um, but you know, I I think they had a lot of exciting announcements. Um, I just I wish they had talked a little bit more about some of like the the big franchises and then and had them not so far out. I think this year we have at least the ones that really appeal to me. We've got um, the new Mario uh, Super Mario Odyssey coming out this fall. Yes, that October twenty seventh, and then after that, um, there's there's really not. A lot. I mean, there's there's a new Kirby game, there's a new Yoshi game, there's a new um, uh, Metroid game, but those are all titles that we're looking at in uh, sometime in 2018. Uh, they're not coming this year, so I don't know. There's not a whole lot the rest of this year. It seems like. Yeah. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but. Yeah. Well, I I think that um because they're not the only ones. You know, Sony had some uh, Skyrim news as well. And that game, I mean, I'm still playing Skyrim. Uh, I, I'll, I'll play it off and on. I haven't played it in the past couple months because I have been on a, uh, a Pokemon handheld uh, kick here recently. But before that, I was playing. I have, I mean, I bet if you added up all of my, my, my hours in Skyrim over the past, like, what, five, six years that it's been out, um, I probably have, like, 200 hours or more in that game. Um, my, my recent playthrough, I know I'd gotten well over 40 hours and it's just, it's a game that I love to play and honestly never beaten. I've never actually beaten the main story because I'm like, really, well, because I, what I do and and, and I thought I was like kind of bad on it and everything, but I found out my brother has been the same way. And then a a really good friend of mine who also has been really into it. He's like, no, he's like, he's like, you're, you've actually gotten further than me because the game Mm. The side quest, I mean, honestly, the the side quest, if you go off doing those, they're really a game in themselves. Like, um, you know, I, I think the first Uncharted game, which was great, great game, there's actually more playtime in some of the side quests than the first Uncharted game. You know, I mean, it's just there's so much to do in that game. Um, so I, I think that the the new announcements they have are kind of awesome because I was like, nah, I, like I have it on the PC, which is like the ultimate way to play it. But because the game's been out for a little while, I'm like, you know what? That might be kind of fun to have it on the handheld, you know, that way if I'm like, oh, I'm about mm. to go to bed. Let me play for a little bit before I go to bed. Um, you know, it's But your saves don't transfer over and stuff, no, right? Don't you have no, to start no. from scratch? Well, yeah, but here's the thing. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I can't transfer over from my, my PC, but... Um, you know, I mean, I can go and play a different way as well because there's so many different character classes and different ways that you can build it up. And in fact, that's a lot of what I was doing is like, I'm going to play as this type of character. And then I'd get halfway through and I'm like, oh man, I really want to play this. And then I'd go and completely start back over. Um, the, I did that once or twice. I switched from PS4 because, oh, that was, a, no, I'm sorry, PS3 because it, it came out on PS3 at that time. Um you know, I decided that I wasn't going to play it on there anymore. I was going to play on on the PC because uh, the PC just ran so much smoother than the, the PS3 for that game. That um, you know, I'm I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to do it this way. But I think if the Switch is powerful enough to run it where I'm not waiting, um, you know, more than a second or two between load screens, 
I think that would be uh, a lot of fun, and, and I'd have interest in that. But uh, besides that, uh, I'm really excited about the uh, the PSVR version. Oh, yeah. See, that's me. That's that's my Ballywick. PSVR is my thing. It's the, uh, the thing that, uh, uh, to break out, the former president, let me be clear, it has fundamentally transformed my gaming. Um... That said, speaking of Nintendo here, because we're kind of going off the beaten path with a lot of Skyrim here, uh, and and yes, I am stoked for Skyrim VR. Um, Got to be honest, when it comes to the Nintendo press conference and the Nintendo announcements, um, I found myself uh, excited for nothing. <laughs> um, I am so burnt out, so tired of the same constant stream of of titles coming from Nintendo. It's, you know, it's, you got Mario, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, Zelda, Kirby. It, it's the old standbys. I'm waiting for a new solid IP. Um, mm-hmm. Something that can excite me and be a game that I want to play the way that I, I tend to play other things. That's why, I mean, I bought a Wii U for one game, Zombie U. Um, because I, I want to find a game that I would enjoy playing that will be able to be played on those you know, on, on those systems. Um, the issue that I ran into, though, was there's just nothing that, that that appealed to me out of what they had. It all felt like the same old thing. Um, I still see no reason for me to pick up a Switch. If anything, seeing that these were the big announcements makes me even less likely to get a Switch. Um, it, it feels like the, their biggest opportunity, unless you're, unless you're appealing just to the Nintendo audience, is... Um, and even in this case, it's somewhat just to the Nintendo audience, um, but I think it has a broader appeal given the review scores and that sort of thing. Um, I think their big opportunity to have a system-selling game was Breath of the Wild. Right. And they did exactly what they did with Twilight Princess, which is exactly why I didn't buy a Wii U at, or an original Wii at first, which was they released it for the current and new consoles both. So... I'm playing Breath of the Wild, but I'm playing it on the Wii U, having plenty of fun with that, and didn't have to buy a Switch that may wind up sitting there gathering dust like my Wii U uh, had pretty much since Zombie U up until the point where now I'm playing Breath of the Wild on it. I just, I feel like, and I think this goes back to what William was saying, that the third-party support needs to be there in a bigger way. And when you've got a console that in many ways is running about half a generation or so behind the other two big consoles, you're going to have a lot of instances where you're not going to see a multi-platform title hit. I mean, it used to be multi-platform. That must be that must mean it's going to be on Nintendo and Xbox and PlayStation. Well, no. Now multi-platform means it's going to be on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. Basically, the, the Switch, the Wii U... Yeah, it's 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 not happening. I'd like to see it happen with Switch just to be able to give more of a reason for people to dive into it. But it again, it feels like it's just a Nintendo exclusive type of system, which is fine because, you know, for me, the Nintendo system is like my tertiary system, PlayStation first, Xbox second, then Nintendo. But if that's going to be the case, you're going to have to do a lot better than what you're showing in order to get me to actually buy a Switch because that's another investment in yet another console. Right. Um, but but that's just me. I mean, that's my my particular gaming taste. I can see how someone who loves those particular Nintendo franchises would be going nuts because they the stuff they did announce for existing franchises were 
pretty solid sounding. It sounded like some some good reason to be excited. Metroid yeah, plus I, Mario. I think, my my main concern is that they're too far out, right? They're they're not mm-hmm. like this fall, but I guess and maybe I'm just like because I haven't always been as big of a Nintendo guy. GameCube was actually my first console, but I'm I'm not necessarily as big of a Nintendo guy. If you look at their press conference, it's all very um, bright and colorful games. It's um, it's it's more. I don't want to say kitty because all all ages can enjoy it, but it's that right. Nintendo style, right? Yeah. yeah, almost exclusively on their stage at the press conference. Um, it, it's just that very one particular style, uh, and they don't so they don't have as much variety, I guess. And you know, I like you know Zelda and Smash Brothers, and uh, you know, obviously Mario and Metroid and that kind of stuff. But all of those games, there's. They're like one or two a year, right? There's like the launch title this fall, this fall, and then the next one would be like who knows when in 2018. So I don't and know. That, in terms of like the big tent poles, there's not a lot. I still bought it, and I'm I'm really enjoying Breath of the Wild, but I don't really see many more games that I want to buy for it over the next six months, eight months. And I'd say that hurts because I mean. Uh, speaking of someone like I, I sound like I'm the Nintendo hater on the show. I always sound like the Nintendo hater on the show. Um, but the Switch is the first Nintendo console outside of the Virtual Boy, if we even call a Virtual Boy a console, um, that I won't have bought, from what I can tell. Um, going all the way back to the NES, the original NES. Really? Uh, I, wa- I was a Nintendo guy through and through, and then I became more of an Xbox guy until the PS3 generation and then moved more towards Sony. So to see the company that was that was and embodied my childhood not having things that I'm all that interested in is is unfortunate. But at the same time, I also recognize that that's probably the key right there. You know, it was the one of my childhood and growing up, and it has those type of experiences. And maybe I'm looking for something a little bit more appealing to the adult in me rather than the all ages can enjoy type of of mentality but all right so that's nintendo i know I, we're I, trying to make sure we can actually fit everything in because we do need to actually hit you know the star wars stuff with battlefront too oh, yeah. yeah um so uh what about uh, because they're they don't have any big hardware announcements let's shift over to sony uh i personally again i'm kind of the sony guy um i was very impressed by their stream of exclusives that they were announcing ones that are actually exclusive not timed exclusive not um <laughs> uh, uh, it's exclusive, sort of, or it'll have this exclusive DLC with it, but actual exclusives, um, which seemed like it was kind of a different from the Microsoft thing. A lot of those were apparently timed exclusives. Um, but what struck me about it was um, they got some some decent, solid games that seem like they're coming up. They announced a new God of War, or at least showed more of the new God of War, a little bit more about uh, Detroit Become Human. Um, but for me, it was all about the VR stuff, the fact that we're getting Skyrim VR, Doom VR, uh, The Inpatient, which is going to be a prequel to Until Dawn, um, and just all the different VR things they were showing. There's another AIM controller game, Bravo Team, that's going to be sort of a military shooter in the vein of Farpoint in terms of the control methods. Um, but that was it, it was a fairly solid presser, uh, a fairly solid lineup of games. I don't know that they had anything... That was sort of the home run, like the show stealer type of thing. A lot of it was either stuff that was kind of expected, or it was stuff that was like, "Wow, that's cool," but it's not. Just like you know, like the impatient is cool. The fact that you can play Doom in VR is cool, but is that going to be you know the big uh, 
uh, system seller or anything like that. And I still think that they are they, – they need to keep making the case for the PS4 Pro because it mm-hmm. seems as though – I mean, for PSVR, it's certainly a big step up, and the fact that it can do 4K and such is a step. But I feel like they're kind of falling into the same trap to some degree, but not as much as uh, Microsoft did with the Xbox One S. They didn't really hype up the Xbox One S enough in what it can do beyond the original Xbox One to the point where I was considering an Xbox One X until I realized that what I actually wanted from it, the S already has. But I had no idea that it did because of the the marketing just didn't get the message out. It's kind of the same thing with PS4 Pro. The message well, needs to get out there of what it can do that's different if you're going to try to entice people. But I would argue it is also, unless you're doing PSVR, it's not quite as big a jump as between an Xbox One and Xbox One S to go yeah, from I, PS4 to PS4 Pro because it doesn't have the UHD Blu-ray player built in, which was, you know, the Blu-ray player was part of why people bought PS3s instead of Xbox 360 at one point. So I don't right. know. It, Sony, I mean, they came through solid, but I don't feel as though they, like, it wasn't like as soon as it was over, like, oh my God, I got to get this. I got to pre-order this. Yeah. I was excited for the VR stuff, but it wasn't like fireworks were going off or anything, you know? No need to smoke a cigarette after that press conference. Yeah. Two two things struck, and I actually agree with a lot of your, your points. Two things actually stuck out at me about Sony's press conference, which I thought was good. Like, they had a lot of games. Um, Two most interesting things, just from like a, um, well, I guess there was there were three main things, and n- nothing about the 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 quality itself, but it was odd. I think this is one of the few press conferences aside from Nintendo's, which was all pre-recorded, where they only had one executive on stage. Yeah, and he talked like that was, what, twice, and that was it. Yeah, and there was like, like hello, so that welcome, was interesting. I, I was some, a very unusual type style of press conference. Uh, I'm not sure if I liked it or not, but I, I like that they tried something new. I also didn't feel like they had a lot of release dates for games it seemed like it was just like mm-hmm. this is coming this is coming which and that i think apparently was intentional and i'm not sure if that was a good idea but they, yeah, they say agree. it was intentional because they didn't want to lock the groups in if they were going to possibly need more time but that's release dates well even release windows, a lot of times they didn't have any date any like year at all sometimes there's like this is coming which ties into the third and final point in that i felt like 90 percent of what we saw we saw last year There were a couple surprises, and I'm really excited for a lot of the games. Like uh, Detroit Beyond Human looks really great. I mean, the new Spider-Man looks really good. Um, the, obviously, like this the new only... Uncharted game. But like all of these were previously shown. I don't yeah, know. Like, was there... All the console games seem like they were previously shown. It's really just the VR ones that were the surprises, right. and that's because they don't tend to hype those up quite as much that tends to be things like we hear about within about a month or two of them actually being released rather than it being you know a year before hey look this vr thing's coming so yeah and so like there's a, there's a lot they have, they have a great lineup coming out but i didn't feel like they really showed anything new well i know the mm-hmm. the the spider-man people have been going nuts over the spider-man game so yeah but that was announced last year oh was it it was announced before but they i don't did they announce at the time that it was going to be a PS4 exclusive. I guess yes. it, that must yes. be part of the. It was, it was on their stage. A them year ago. owning. Oh, yeah, really? I'm pretty sure. But but it, that's a timed exclusive. Am I right or no? I don't. Uh, I think, I think it is exclusive because I believe it's being developed by Sony Santa Monica or which or the Insomniac studio. Oh, I don't remember which. In, Insomniac, I think it was. 
Yeah, we have with Insomniac. Yeah, so I think it is yeah. like a, a actual, actual exclusive. It's an but exclusive X, not an exclusive S. You see, it's 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 it's, it's not surprising because um, you know Sony also owns the PlayStation rights, and so I'm sorry, the PlayStation. Obviously, they own PlayStation rights. They own the Spider-Man franchise, right. um, and so it's not surprised that they have the uh, exclusive rights for the the game as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but they have a lot of really good stuff. I'm I'm excited about. I do agree with you, though, Nate. They didn't they didn't really make the case for the PS4 Pro, and and they actually did. They even really mention it on stage. I think they did a little bit, but I think it yeah. was sort of. I, I know a lot of their the the press material that were that came out afterwards, and a lot of more of the uh, the E3 experience stuff that you could watch rather than the actual press conference mentioned it fairly frequently. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. even then. It was it was always sort of a and it's even better on PS4 Pro, right? Okay, Which, what else can it do? There are plenty of people who have been looking at this skeptically now for like a year or so. Tell us yeah. why someone should pick it up. I mean that that is, I don't know that that, that is a the the new thing about the the thing where we are in this new console generation, and I'm sure we'll get into it more with the Xbox side of things, but it applies to Sony as well. Is that these new consoles are not intended to force you to switch, right? Right. Right. Uh, I, I think I think both Sony and X and Microsoft are taking the same approach here. Where with the PS4 Pro, you don't have to switch. Same with the Xbox One X, you don't have to buy right. a One X. Right. If you if you are someone who wants the latest and greatest, then you should get the PC. Uh, the the, the X, oh. well, <laughs> no, actually, Michael, there, like, there, there goes and, Michael. And let's uh, let we you know I'll, I'll save this for the Xbox you say, One you X. Well, then, uh, let me say, but there's there's a lot of advantages to going. I, I like how Microsoft's taking a good middle ground here, um, but I don't know. You're right. You have to be have a careful careful balance because you want enough of an advantage that people will upgrade to like the PS4 Pro, um, but not so much that you strand people behind because we're gone. The the days of you know a, a very clear console generation are over. I think. I would uh, think at that... least for Sony and Microsoft, though we're not gonna. We're not doing that anymore. I think that probably the hardest part for Sony with the the Pro is really, I mean, if they're going to come out and say, you can do 4K, well, so can the S and the X for Xbox, right? Um, And they have UHD Blu-ray players built in. Um, The biggest advantage seems to be just the extra oomph behind the PSVR, but that's a hard sell getting somebody to buy the PSVR and then also upgrade the console possibly or buy the more expensive of the consoles if you're going to wind up picking up uh, the PSVR and a system for the first time at the same time. And it's really difficult to be able to show any type of of difference in the experience for VR when you're trying to sell people on it using a non-VR 2D presentation you just it's it's all very much a a it makes it better trust us and it does on quite a few games but how do you prove it you know i think it's i don't know it's it's, it's a mid-step uh michael any other thoughts since you haven't really chimed in as much with sony before we jump to uh the the big uh elephant in the room well uh let's see sony i think i pretty much mentioned you know i mentioned the spider-man game that's about it uh you know uh, <clears throat> For me, I'm like, I just, my thing with, uh, like I was saying, I was more interested. You guys seem a, a little less um, excited or whatever about the uh, the Nintendo stuff, but I was a little more interested in Nintendo stuff just because I am such a, a PC gamer that 
I I'm like, okay, you know the the Skyrim VR that sounded interesting. I'm like, okay, that's a different way to play the game. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, you know, I love Spider Man, so that's kind of neat. But beside that, nothing really uh, sold me on the the other two consoles. And and I mean, it's just not going to just because I'm like, well, pretty much everything I can play on the PC and have a a much better experience. Uh, but because of how um, because of how the switch does, you know, I feel like that's their focus is they're, they're more concerned with their own properties that you can't get anywhere. It's because, I mean, if we're talking about actual exclusives, uh, Nintendo is king, you know, I mean, like they have, you're, you're only going to get Mario, Zelda, uh, Metroid, the, all those games on the switch. So I think that's why I was a little more interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, like I said, that that's the only only thing with that. Uh, I still I don't know. Like I I still do not understand the difference between the Microsoft or Microsoft uh, the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X O X O hugs and kisses or whatever. I don't I don't get the differences between those two. Well, that's why we got William here, right? He'll be able to enlighten us. Um, so I guess that brings us to the elephant, or I guess we should probably say, we should probably dress it up and call it a bantha in the room. Uh, and that is Microsoft. Microsoft, of course, uh, big reveal. Lots of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, it's the, the exciting, big one. It's the, it's the exciting big news, one. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the big thing you can't ignore when talking about E3. Um, so aside from game announcements, some timed exclusives, um, a lot of showing off of a lot of the big third-party games that are coming got done uh, first at the at the Microsoft press conference, things like Anthem and whatnot, to really get people excited about them. Ooh, um, Anthem looks so good, and it's being oh, written yeah. by Drew Carpishan. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah. It, it strikes me as, as it's a what-if Iron Man met Destiny, and I'm afraid of how much time I'm going to probably sink into it if I wind up picking it up. <laughs> Um, but the big news, I just hope course, they don't go too far down the Destiny route. True, true. Uh, Although Destiny seems to fix that. So anyway, yeah. There's two big pieces of news, I guess, besides games, because there weren't a lot of exclusives announced. Um, but well, you got hold on, the... there were there were 22 exclusives in that. Okay, festival. big exclusives that people cared about. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there's like you know there's Sea of Thieves, there's Crackdown three, there's uh, there's a uh, there's a, 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 n- a number of exciting oh. games. In there. Uh, for those, but like. yeah, no, um, but I think you so, want to talk about hardware. So yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I think that I think that I, I think all of us kind of have that same thing. Like, and now we can sort of see the dividing lines because it seems like from the the standpoint of first party exclusive titles, you know, to, to Michael's mind, you know, Nintendo is king, and as much as they're king in the marketplace for exclusive stuff. I wouldn't call any of their stuff anymore king because I'm not interested in those exclusives. For me, it's well, stuff yeah, like Uncharted. I'm sure for you know for the, the first other fans, it might be Halo or Gears of War. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the two big things yeah, they announced more that backward. I mean, mo- most lots of people have, have been excited about their exclusives. I mean, like Zelda fans are oh, yeah. rabid. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why Captain N got a TV show. Um, so. We've got the announcement that backward compatibility is now going to be expanded. So instead of being able to just play your Xbox One games and an enormous library of Xbox 360 games on the Xbox One, you will now also be able to play uh, a small selection at first and then a growing library of original Xbox games. So, you know, as soon as they add the suffering to that, I'm in. Um, And, of course, they also announced the big 
thing, which was the Xbox One X. There was the Xbox One, then the Xbox One S, which added 4K uh, upscaling. Um, it added the HDR uh, ability, the high dynamic range ability, added a UHD Blu-ray player, um, changed up the controllers a bit, changed up the size. You could put it on its side now so that it stands vertically, thank goodness, and so on. Um, and they sort of taken it another step forward, uh, having changed a little bit of the, the, the physical components um, to make it run a little bit faster, not need the power brick and that sort of thing for the S. Now we've got the Xbox One X that should be releasing in November at $499, or starting at $499, they always say, um, that's coming with a vast, uh, a, a faster CPU, better GPU, uh, more RAM, basically each thing you would expect, except for the size, which is getting smaller, um, getting a boost upward to give us a console that'll be able to produce a true 4K as opposed to upscaling. At this point, the S upscales and the PS4 Pro upscales in slightly different ways with PS4 Pro slightly edging it out, but this should blow them all away. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems as though, um, in a lot of ways... Uh, and this is this is my impression, and this is where I want to. I really want to get uh, get the opinion here of someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Um, it seems to me that we are entering this era where, as William was saying, you know, you're there's nothing forcing you to upgrade. So here we have another iteration of the Xbox One. It's got 4K, but in a better way. It's got HDR. It's got uh, faster processors, you'll be able to load in, in, a, in a better way, in a faster way, etc. Uh, it has a UHD Blu-ray player, but so did the S. My concern is we they, it literally is the most powerful gaming PC, or gaming PC, gaming console <laughs> that's kind of like a PC in this case. Um, yeah, ever been made. That has ever made, ever been made. Not just, and they talked about it on the, on the show floor, they repeatedly said it's the most powerful Xbox ever. It's like, no. Even as a PS4 fanboy, I can say that is the most powerful console that has existed. Yeah, it's it's period. what it's at least uh, fifty percent fast, more powerful than the Play, PlayStation like, Pro. Like, I think that's forty yeah, percent was what I saw. Forty percent, yeah, 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 something it's, like that. It's yeah. significantly faster. The yeah. thing about my concern is if it's if all games are supposed to be able to be used on Xbox One X and S and the original, same thing with the different uh, hardware components. Then doesn't it? I'm 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 afraid it's going to fall into the same thing that PS4 Pro is, which is the why should I upgrade, and where it becomes something where developers in some cases are going to make use of it and really amp up what it can do, and then just have a kind of have that mode available for those who actually have the higher end console, kind of like uh, PS4 Pro for some games, and then has the built-in boost mode to help other games. I'm just I'm just concerned that. Are we really going to see what the Xbox One X can really do, given the need to also be constrained by things that will work on the other two previous models? I'm, I'm yes, and here's it, why. It's impressive, but yeah. tell me what. how does this enter into the mindset of this like mid-generation? Yeah, so we're, we're basically, and again, I want to I be super clear here. These are just you know my opinions, but we're, we're entering a world where it's, we had the console generations of the past, right? Where as soon as a new console came out, everything you had before no longer worked. And there was, there was one device that developers targeted and that was it. Right. Uh, and that's why when the next generation came out, you threw away your old console, you put it in a closet or you, you kept it out for the old games, but you didn't use it anymore. Uh, it was, uh, there's, there's no, 
if you, if you wanted to go back to those old games, you, you you had to switch. And when you bought a new console, you had like one or two games. You know, you have to buy a launch title, right? And so most people may have maybe like one or two games when they buy a new console that would work on this new device. Much like how, you know, I just bought a Switch and I have exactly two games on it, right? And I'm like, oh, I really wish I had more games to play. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, with... And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the PC, right? And as 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 Michael, I'm sure we'll jump in and say like it's you can you can have like the craziest specs in the world. You can have this ultra high end machine that's like crazy awesome graphics, or you can have a machine that like barely limps along and plays these games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have this wide spectrum of devices, and the game plays on all of them at different quality levels. Right. And there are these two extremes. And I think the, the PC is great because you can have the latest and greatest hardware whenever you want uh, and, and really like push the boundaries of what's possible in gaming. The downside is that well, it will, ignoring the how you play, like, do you like a controller sitting in front of the, on the couch in front of the TV or do you like being right up next to the, the screen with your mouse and keyboard, like ignoring that aspect. The downside of a PC is that you have to make you spend a lot of time making sure you have the right hardware and the right drivers and um, you know a lot of times there'll be because there's so many different configurations for a PC a developer can't possibly test every single one and ensure that you have an amazing experience so there's a lot of fiddling that you have to do right Michael um, uh, to get things working I don't think it's that uh, sorry I, I don't mean, mean like it's not as simple as like you buy the um, the game and then plug it in. But here's the thing too, right. because I am sick and tired of every time I turn on my PS4, it's like you got to update to play this game. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, is this going to be a but quick at least update you or... know that it's going to play on the exactly. PS4. But, like, but what, what, what I'm saying PC is like if you go out and buy specifically because of this, right? I, I never and if had you go out and buy though. a PC game, a lot of times it's like, and I love I love PC gaming. To be super clear here, I'm just saying like for the average user, if you're not an expert, you have to know. You know, oh, if I want to get like, if I want to play Skyrim at the best, you know, or let's let's not pick Skyrim if it's a few years old. But if I want to play, you know, a game from this year at the mm-hmm. absolute best resolution possible, you have to make sure you know what are the right hardware components, you know, that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, need. I just don't think it's that hard of a. I mean, because the thing is, most people, most people aren't. I mean, maybe initially when you're when you're like building your computer and you want to make yeah, sure yeah, that you have the right graphics card and everything, but for the most part, you're gonna say, okay, they've got the new one. Let me pick up the game, and then I'll just go into settings and then adjust adjust it to make sure that I, uh, you know, it, everything works as yeah, well yeah as sorry, it, on it, my you know yes, what I'm you like, can you can adjust those sliders, but I'm talking about if you want to make sure you always have the can take advantage of the the latest stuff there's a there's just more fiddling right and it for someone who's like more technical like like us we don't mind all right but for the your average user is not going to go out it's it's harder for them it's doable but there's just more work to think about oh do i have the right kind of graphics card or is this supported or well can i because i i am that group uh i'm that group because to me the fact that i can get a pc that does everything that i wanted to do but then I may be able to play this game. I may not. I I could probably do everything I want to do on my computer and spend another $1,000 and then be able to play this particular game. I don't even try to play modern games on my PC because mm-hmm. I don't expect it to be able to handle it. I have been burned too many times on buying a new PC game where the specs say it should play on my system and it doesn't. 
That's why right. I will now, never go back to PC gaming. Now, now, and to be super clear, like I love PC gaming, right? I, I, I have a nice PC that I play PC games on. Um, but there's just a different spectrum, right? Uh, and, and there's nothing bad about any of these. You just have to know what you're getting into. As a PC gamer, you're going to get the best you possibly can. But there's just a little bit more fiddling you have to so do. Sometimes were, not a lot, sometimes a lot. You Where were going Xbox, towards that for Xbox One X. So are you saying basically that, that, that in a sense, with these different iterations of consoles, it's kind of like having the different rigs that have the different levels of settings they can do, but it's all still the same game? Is exactly, that kind of the approach you Except, yes, exactly. Except instead of an infinite number of, of configurations for a computer that developers can't test against, what you have is you have a, a gaming console that has exactly two models. You have the or Xbox three if you One. have the original. Well, yes, except that the Xbox One and the Xbox One S is effectively the same console, right? For games, there's there's minimal, if any, difference. Right. right. Um, the you're you're looking at like a smaller console size, you know, um, maybe less less power consumption, um, video playback for like Netflix or Blu-ray or something is different. But if we're talking about actual games. Aside from enabling HDR, you're not going to see anything really that new in the one versus the one S. Um, so now you so do have 4K I, on the S, though, but it's 4K for video, as opposed to not for games. But the games also no. upscale. Though. Uh, no, it's 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 like Netflix and stuff is all 4K. The games themselves hmm. aren't 4K, and so so Xbox One. X is so basically one the one and the one S are the same effectively the same console uh, the way I think about it just it's a it's a smaller version it's a it's a slightly newer version of the console for the people who want that console you don't have a, a as big of a box anymore now we have the one X and this is your the way I think about it is it's the second iteration the so like it's like it's a second console second Xbox one console but it's part of the Xbox one family and so uh, this one is like super powered and awesome, and is the most it's the it's the fastest console ever created. Blows everything else out of the water, and at four ninety nine, you might say it's a little pricey, but it's actually cheaper than any PC uh, equivalent PC you could get, right? And it's plug and play. And so the nice thing is like you go, you get an Xbox One S X. Uh, if you get an Xbox One S, right, you know it's going to work. If you get an Xbox One X, you also know that game is going to work. Developers can test against both, and so like on a PC, if you're on Xbox One X, you get all of the awesomeness and all the performance and power that you get, uh, much like a high-end PC. It might not be quite as high-end as a super, super, super high-end PC, but it's pretty close, right? Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the Xbox One S, which is my, I'm just an average gamer. I don't really care about the ultimate graphics. I just want to play the games. And so what's so great about this this new generation that, that at least I think, and it's kind of similar to the, the PlayStation in some ways, but is that, um, you know, if I'm a, I think your average gamer is just going to go out and buy an Xbox One S, and that's totally fine. And you can continue to use that S because they're 100% compatible. In fact, the fact that we're adding, the fact that, uh, you know, the Xbox team has added, like, um, back compat for Xbox 360 and now Xbox original Xbox is really awesome as well so that you have one console really any Xbox game will run on these things but I know if I buy a game tomorrow it'll run on my Xbox One X and it will run even better once I buy it and at 4k you know 60 frames a second 
And so I think that's that's where that advantage comes in is it's it's kind of like a PC model if you said there's only two PCs in the world. Now I have to I have to, I have to challenge one thing here, and that is I on the support site for Xbox for the Xbox One S under the 4K on Xbox One S topic. It does specifically state that games, apps, home, etc., will upscale to 4K if the TV supports 4K, um, which is what I was seeing when I was looking at yes, places yes, like, uh, like you know CNET. But but it is right, upscaled. It's, it's, it's not, not a, true 4K, exactly. which is what right. the new. Okay, yeah. yeah. So so in a sense, well, because like because it has to be able to output a resolution of 4K. Like if, right. you're, if you're if your TV right. is 4K. It can't just say, oh, sorry, we can't output this resolution, right? It has exactly. to be able to output it, but it does upscale. So basically, um, the in video a sense, is the only thing that's true. Okay. What the Xbox One X is, aside from just being a more powerful console, the most powerful console, um, in essence, it's the step between you know, upscaling and true 4K um, in a lot of ways. Because you could do upscaling on, on the Pro, you could do upscaling on the S. But it's still upscaling. It's still not going to be whether it's the checkerboard thing that they use for the pro or whatever. It's still for those who are really, really big on huge TVs, crystal clarity and and have an eye for that sort of thing. Then this will absolutely be, I think, the console that they're going to go for. And it's smaller and like there's other things as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the big thing. And so my again, this is my own personal assumption. I don't know what the roadmap is, but I could see in. I don't know, in four years, right? Four or five years, there's another console after the Xbox One X, right? You really that think is, it's going to take that long? I, I, <laughs> I have no idea, right? So, look, I'm just, I'm, I don't think they're going to have, they're not going to be putting out one probably every year, right? Um, I don't, at least I don't think. This is my own, like, assumptions here. But in a few years, we might get another, hey, now this is the ultimate console, right? And then, you'll have either those three ranges and maybe, I don't know, in a decade or something, we'll say, oh, now the Xbox One S, you know, is, uh, you know, you maybe you won't get certain things on the Xbox One S because it's so, you know, far in the past. But the way we've seen, like, Xbox Xbox 360 games be compatible for, you know, on Xbox One now or even original Xbox, it's possible that those games will always continue to work. The old games will always work on the new ones, but maybe the, the old console won't support games that are coming out in 10 years right because uh, that's kind of unreasonable that we've never seen a console that sports games new games 10 years later but it's kind of like this nice mix between a, a pc and the old console world where you don't have just one console for eight years but you also you have like a, you can choose do you want high end do you want low end and they'll work equally well on both it's just what is that level of graphical fidelity and performance that you're expecting from this box. That's the way I see it. So as, as someone who maybe if you don't play your Xbox all the time, maybe you don't want an Xbox One X, and that's totally fine. I could see a lot of people going to the store and saying, I want an Xbox One. You walk into the store. Hmm, I can get the Xbox One X, but I don't really need, I don't have a 4K TV, so I'm going to go with the One S. Well, you know, again, you've just described me. Um, in fact, right. you just described me like yesterday. <laughs> literally <laughs> yesterday um yeah the xbox one x announcement for me if nothing i might get i'm very impressed by what by the stats that they're showing um i think those who are more heavily video file uh type of people are gonna absolutely devour the thing um 
for me, it actually helped me make the decision to finally upgrade from the regular Xbox One to the S because I was looking at the X going, man, 4K, which the original can't do, man, UHD Blu-rays, which the original can't do, but we want to get a 4K TV. And then in the process of looking at the stats and the comparison back and forth, they're like, wait a second. I don't remember them ever marketing it as such, but holy crap, 4K upscaling and HDR and UHD Blu-rays on the S. And you can stand it up straight so I can put my Xbox 360 back out and play some Kinect Star Wars. I'm sold. Yeah. Um, so I think and in, actually, in I essence, think that's okay. Like, I think the nebulousness totally was what was getting people. I think with any of these consoles, especially one as hyped up as as Scorpio slash the X was, I mean, even just having, like you were saying, you know, there are going to be people who choose the S, though people who choose the X, and I think just having the stats out there and have pe- having people finally be able to see and make that comparison to make the choice that's best for them, in and of itself, is fantastic for Microsoft. It's got to be because it's going to drive some people towards the X. And there'll be other people who, like me, were on the fence. You know, I don't know what's the X or the Scorpio going to look like. Do I want to wait for it or jump to an S? And as soon as I know, I was able to make that decision. It's, yeah, I went for the one that, to me, was the more affordable and would fit. But I'm also the guy that wears glasses and has trouble hearing sometimes. So, you know. know what? I think that's totally intentional. And you can see, even the design of the console is very much like the Xbox One S, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about an evolution of a console. It's the same generation. Right. Yep. And yeah, the Xbox One X is, X is way more powerful, way more powerful than the S. But if you don't want that power or don't need that power and you just want to be able to play the Xbox exclusives at a low price, that's what the, the S is there for. And so and if, I think that's OK. Right. The, their big thing is we got two. pick the one that fits your budget and your preference in terms of style. It's all the same exact exact same controller, exact same accessories. Even the ports are identical. So if you put them on top of each other, you unplug one, plug it in the other, just like move the cable up like an inch. Um, The the intention is that they are the same. Although they do have Bluetooth connectivity now for the for the controller, so they'll be able to to, you'll be able to walk away a little bit further, which is which is also a good thing. Uh, Don't worry, folks. I guess if you're going to to upgrade either to an S from an original or to an X from an original or an S, I'm sure GameStop will give you enough to buy a value meal for your previous <laughs> version. Um, so, okay, so that's the big news coming out of Microsoft. Of course, that's the hardware news, Nintendo being the exclusive, Sony being kind of the little bit of everything, but nothing that that was that was earth-shattering, so to speak. Um, but for Star Wars fans, yeah, this was the oh, time yeah. we finally got to see Battlefront 2 in action in a way that actually was highly reminiscent of the original Battlefront 2. And yet, um, I mean, they, they seem like they have really addressed a lot of the things that, that fans were worried about. They, they opened yeah. their presentation with John Boyega's comments <laughs> about a story. They brought in the, the, the actors playing the lead to lead the, uh, the presentation and to do some playing. And they talked about the group that they had available to basically constantly play test and constantly provide feedback rather than it all just being internal. So they really seem like they've been very responsive. And so many of the things that were missing from the previous Battlefront, that was basically Battlefield with Star Wars skin, is back to make this really feel like classic Battlefront that's prettier and sounds better and is is sort of upgraded for this new generation. Um, so Battlefront 2... 
Yeah, I just want to say I, I believed in him the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I was I was super positive. I, I continued and I was rewarded. Right? Isn't that how you remember it, William? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go with that. Um, <laughs> weren't, you sharpen, weren't you sharpening your knives on the way into the uh, the, the panel celebration? <laughs> I am so excited that they have listened to every single complaint and they've pretty much fixed every single complaint I had about the original game. And the fact that they devoted not like five or ten minutes, they devoted an entire 35 minutes of a 70-minute show or so, right? 70, 80-minute show to Star Wars Battlefront was I I was shocked that they spent you know, a third half to a third a third to half of their their press conference at E three on Battlefront, but it's their big it's one of their big temples and they've done a lot of amazing work. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was even noticing going through everything as as much as I felt like we've seen. I realized, wait a minute, we haven't seen a lot. Um, you know, everything that we've seen has been uh, on Naboo, mm-hmm. so. I'm and you know what I love? Mm-hmm. I love that they actually the first gameplay we saw, like actual gameplay, not trailers, right? Was prequels. I love it. It right. one the nostalgia factor, right? Because that's that was the big, the prequels were the big thing when the original Battlefront games came out, and so like seeing the footage of running around Theed, it's just like oh, I, I remember you know playing Battlefront one and two, the original Battlefront one and two, um, in, on Theed, and then you know. Also, like, it just shows they're not forgetting about the prequels, right? It's not just a part of Battlefront. It's front and center at their big unveiling, which I just, I, I love to see. Now, I have, I have a question that, that I'm, I'm legitimately curious about. Um, and, and I'm wondering what, you, I think it's one of two things. And I'm curious what you guys think on this. I feel like that either the reason we did not get all of this, uh, because I think anyone can, um, if they really look at it, would say that what made Battlefront 2 so good that the the bulk of it uh, was the prequel content. And with the, um, the previous Battlefront that we got a couple years ago, there was none of that. Do you think that that's because of time and they had to just, they were very limited in what they could present? Or do you think that when they were taking that property over, they were aware of all of the the negativity of the prequels and the general public as a whole and wanted to stand away from that and and really underestimated what the Battlefront game was for people? I mean, do you think that it's one of those two things? Do you think it's something else? No, I think they just picked in one era, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't have enough time. It was a very stripped down game. I think they just had to pick an era and they said, which era do you pick? You pick the original trilogy because that's the, you know, that is the yeah everything the Star Wars era, built right? Off that, of, yeah. Well, there's also built off that. there's also the fact though that if you look at just the just broad Star Wars releases, not just video games, but if you look at the comics, if you look at the novels and such, for the most part, even now that the the sequel trilogy has started. If it's not touching on The Force Awakens, the vast majority of what is out there now that's being produced for the story group's new canon is original trilogy characters, original trilogy era, or it's 
tying directly into a film. Uh, in some cases, it's a little bit of both. It's, it's bringing in characters like Tarkin or giving him a book and then tying that in with Catalyst into what we see in Rogue One. Um, I think that there was probably a directive there that if they were going to choose just one era, that was the only era they could choose probably. Right. Um, but I would agree that just from the standpoint of time, they were a lot more more compressed on it. Um, as, which I guess we should say, you know, kind of as a side, because we may not get a chance to come back to it. The Visceral Games game is still in the works, but they said that they did not show anything with it at all this year because this is Battlefront 2's year. Yeah, so that was just because it didn't show up doesn't mean that it's that anything's going on with it. It's it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing yeah, that stood wish. out. I'm looking at the, the the live stream of Assault on Theed, and in a lot of ways, it feels similar to what we got with some of the latter DLC of the the first modern Battlefront, um, in that it was a three stage kind of thing, right? You your escort, there's an escort mission followed by take out these two targets, followed by hold this point, essentially. Um, but it seemed like what they've done is they've sort of they, they now have sort of learned the lesson of what Battlefront. Is I mean I think I think it fundamentally it's not even so much as we would like to see this feature that the old Battlefront had we'd like to see this feature, it really does feel like they've taken Battlefront and what it used to be and said oh we didn't realize that was what Battlefront was the first time because the first time it really was sort of the generic first person shooter or the battlefield multiplayer done as Battlefront and in this case I mean you've got point based power ups you've got um, uh, number it, it appeared that you also had that number of characters left or number of respawns left on your team counting down up at the top. Uh, different classes of troopers, uh, assault, jump troopers, officers, specialists, the ability to get points to become a super battle droid or starting yes. out as a B1 battle droid. I love that so um, much. It, but it really did seem as though like you're watching it and you're thinking back to the battlefront that came out in the recent past. And it... it, it all, Again, this is the same game series, but unless something significant changes that we haven't seen between now and launch, it really does feel as though the templates for the games are completely different. Um, to the point where I have to wonder if there are going to be people who were fans of the more Call of Duty-esque Battlefront last time when playing this Battlefront that seems to be so much more geared toward the mechanics of classic Battlefront if there's going to be an issue like they say they don't want to have a divide so when it comes to the se- season passed up and dlc they're not going to do that instead all this post-launch seasons of content are going to be done for free uh, with some of the first being finn and phasma and all that which is fantastic oh yeah, yeah. And they said that's not going to divide the fan base but i'm wondering if from a perception of the game standpoint going back to the classic feel is going to be such a divide from fans of the first game who maybe never played the classic ones that there will still be that kind of divide happening like like there, like there would be cries of we want basically the previous battlefront but more of it as opposed to it being wow this is battlefront mechanics you know what i mean well those six or seven players can go play yeah. call of duty or something <clears throat> see I, the game to me looks very similar right the battlefront 2 looks very similar to battlefront yeah. 1 but more refined and i think with battlefront 1 they tried to they tried to make it easy for everyone, and in doing so, in trying to make a game for everyone, they kind of made a game that was a little bit bland. Yeah, generic you know? and just and generic. Yeah, and I think that by you know some of the things they're introducing, like a class system, a little bit more depth to the multiplayer, hopefully will be still be accessible for new players. 
but will give the game some legs that it didn't have um, the, in the, the first one. Because to be totally honest, like I love games with a good story. I'm a single player guy. I'll enjoy multiplayer and I'll play with friends, but that's not what I I go for all you know all the time. And so I played Battlefront. I enjoyed Battlefront, but like I got bored after a while because I wanted to go play a game with story. Uh, and that's what I'm excited about here. And, and and the fact that it wasn't that deep either. And so right. the fact that there's there's this added depth helps and that a Death lot. Star DLC. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he, I went back were... and played all the DLC. <laughs> Death Star DLC again. It's okay, Michael. It's it's okay. But, the, uh, but I'm, fact, I'm yeah, right there with you, William. The story. Give me story. Give me some depth to the gameplay. Yep. Uh, my, what kept me going on Battlefront One was that I was live streaming, and it was more just for the uh, conversation yeah. than it was for for the gameplay uh, in many respects. Um, right now, it does seem that from in terms of the different eras, this this fits well, I think, with what you were just getting at. Um, it appears that we're going to see the story span from Return of the Jedi up to what we saw in The Force Awakens, but that stuff like, for instance, the prequel trilogy. And these prequel era scenarios like clone troopers, but in a battle for Theed, not really in the Phantom Menace sometime during the Clone Wars, presumably, um, that that all of that is going to be more multiplayer scenarios rather than the story scenarios. Um, is there di- do, you, do you expect disappointment or are you disappointed to find at all that it seems like the we're going to have multiple eras thing is more of a multiplayer thing than a story thing? Or is it one of those things where... As long as they tell a good story, don't yeah, don't yeah, squish it. No, no, like I think the story they're they're telling is so interesting to me. Right, we're getting a story from the side of the empire with this, this this uh, you know, Aiden Verso is is uh, she 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 sees the destruction of the empire and she then goes out to avenge, um, uh, avenge the empire basically, and. And kill all the rebels. So you get to go every, start, you know, the end of the Return of the Jedi, and then go all the way through to the, the the Force Awakens era. And I think that's the right way to do it. One for for Lucasfilm, you get that OT era, and then to to, to kind of grip people in, and then you take them all the way through to um, you know the 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 Force Awakens era. Um, we need a good name for that. I mean, we call it oftentimes a sequel trilogy, but who knows if there's going to be additional sequel trilogies? The so sequel trilogy one, sequel trilogy one. Uh, ST1? No. Um, Did they call that era the new Jedi Order? Wait a second. No. Sad Let me ask you this, but, though. Yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's right. Ta- talking about the story and talking about how it's going to cover that broader era, um, I'm excited for that as well. I like I like the idea of getting that background and seeing it from an Imperial point of view and such. Um, there are a few stories in that era already that do have some of that storytelling happening, either usually slammed very up close um, to Return of the Jedi, like the Aftermath books, or Shattered Empire, or, or Lost Stars. And then you also have some stories taking place uh, closer to The Force Awakens, and not much in between there, except something like maybe Bloodlines, uh, which so it, it raises the question to me, which is, assuming they treat this different than the original Battlefront, because this one has a story. The original Battlefront, or the original modern Battlefront, it was, hey... We're giving you an authentic Star Wars experience. It doesn't fit into one continuity or another. Even these tiny bits of story that you get, just play it and have fun. Now we've got a canonical story, and we're even getting a book um, that ties into that character as opposed to just a book based on a concept like Twilight Company was. So 
what are the th- what are your thoughts on whether or not this should include a lot of crossover material with the books, with the comics, the stuff that's out there? The story group, in theory, is supposed to be there to interweave these concepts, and they've done a fairly good job of interweaving, if not necessarily dealing with contradictions. <laughs> Galactic maps. Um, but should this be a game where you can play the story and there are those types of overt connections where maybe somebody who didn't read the books or or read the comics are going to be missing out on some things? Or should it be as, as sort of continuity inoffensive that it's fun to watch, it's a good story for that era, but that it's not really expecting you to know anything? Because this could play to the hardcore wow. or it could play to the completely casual. Can't they kind of do both? Can't they have a- aspects that the hardcore will enjoy but aren't critical yeah. to the story for, for everyone else? Like, for example... The, the the sentinels in both trailers right if, mm-hmm. if you if you watch the tra- if you if you play the game you're like that's kind of cool it's like a imperial guard with palpatine's face on it huh right but for us we're like oh those are the sentinels from uh shattered empire and the aftermath trilogy like yeah you, know, you can kind of still tie that stuff together i guess part of me is thinking like for instance if this, given when it starts, and given that she is apparently going to be part of, you know, the First Order or whatever as we head to The Force Awakens, I mean, we've got characters that are very heavily seeped in the continuity, you know, like Ray Sloan, and mm-hmm. to an extent, Gallius Crazy Man Rax. And <laughs> I'm just wondering to what extent that we should expect those types of things to be used, because last time they played it so safe, I, I'm afraid they're going to play it too safe. I want mm-hmm. to see those types of things in it, even if it's just something that are small references or, hey, this character just happened to come in, was in this scene. Oh, my God, this is from this, just like the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. But but, but I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine what they're thinking because I couldn't imagine what they were thinking with the last game. You know? <laughs> well, but I think that's a little different, though. <laughs> last time it was, what are you thinking? And this time it's like, dude, what are you thinking? So I don't what know. You Tell thinking? me. What's yeah. up? What's up? Please. Come on. I'm yeah. interested. Um, You got me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I don't know. I don't even. Um, I, I, uh, well, I guess we can talk about it when we see more. I think that for the most part. You know, what you got to do is you can't have something to where you specifically need to read the book in order to consume the game. Um, I mean, I don't think necessarily that gaming and book reading go hand in hand. They're not, you know, I, I don't think that uh, those two are different. I don't think it's like, oh, this guy plays video games. <laughs> He's not a reader. But, you know, whatever. Um, I think the thing is that um, we've got some awesome uh things that were missing from the other game that we haven't even mentioned yet that I want to talk about. That's that's the thing, I think. Go! Go! <laughs> uh, so, like you talked about, the, the character customization, I love. Um, like, it's so odd, but, like, seeing the, um, you know, the, the actual paint schemes on the clones, I think, is awesome. And that, that we are going to be able to get some customization there. Uh, I know that's a minor thing, but there's just something for me that I'm like, yes, this is fun. I can't wait. I, I hope we get... You know, I hope we get like different paint schemes for the different battalions and even like variations on that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see further with that. You know, the droids. I love that it feels like, and, and this was something that I think was missing from, from the last game. It didn't matter whether you were Empire, whether you were Rebellion, you know, every single character, you were pretty much a soldier. Whereas what they've went back with here is there definitely seems to be a difference between if you're going to play a B1 battle droid or a super battle droid or a droidica, 
You know, that's something that I think was really missing from the last game that seems to be in this game, and I'm really excited about. Although, to be fair, that I don't know about the Droidicon. I didn't see that in the in the play, but I know that the the Super Battle Droid is something you have to get points and then spend the points to get. It's not like a class you can choose. Okay. You have your your regular battle droids that'll have like the the officer class, the specialist with the sniper rifle type of thing, but the super battle droids are a point-based thing. Though I'm just impressed that for the super battle droid, you can actually play as the super battle droid instead of picking up a power up and then it spawns near you and you never get to right. actually play as it. Which is yeah, which is a thing that's that they have taken out of the game that I, I know a lot of people weren't happy about is that oh, you want to play in um, an ATST? Well, you got to run, grab that little spinning coin in order to get it. You know, and it's it's constantly everyone rushing for it, and you're like, oh, I see it, I'm almost there, and boom, a guy comes right out of my peripheral and grabs it before me. Um, it seems like it's very much like the system was before where, um, you know, in the old Battlefront 2 game where it's like, oh, hey, now you can play as Luke Skywalker or whatever. It seems to be a situation with that. You know, they've also brought in the ATRT. There's so many vehicles. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I guess it's because I'm we're not the only ones, but I almost feel like uh, they were listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there's been so many. I mean, how many times, Nate, have we complained about, oh, look. Here's all these new vehicles they added that you can't play in this Death Star DLC. What the hell? Yep. I think, no, they, I think you, you said so that a lot. Concerns. Okay, but, but well, point being is, it's the, yeah. you know, I mean... Well, and, and they've even said, from an addressing concern standpoint, they've talked about how in this game they've tried to make it so that the weapons all have a different feel to them, a different mm-hmm. heft. Like, you will notice a significant so difference. Annoying. And that's one of the things, like... I went, put this way, my online multiplayer is very limited. I generally don't care about it. I mean, I mean, it's either because I'm streaming with Battlefront or I was playing Destiny. Otherwise, I don't really care for online multiplayer most of the time. And I went from Destiny to Battlefront. And just the, the feel of how the weapons all feel very different in Destiny versus the way they felt in Battlefront was a real disappointment. It just, mm-hmm. it's, it was quite a kick in the pants. And it sounds as though what they're doing in this case is they're taking more towards a Destiny-style approach, and that each class of weapon, each type, it won't just do something slightly different. It will actually feel different, which I'm assuming would also refer to, you know, the heft of it, the speed at which you can draw it, um, perhaps even the amount of rumble feedback, if any, that you wind up getting back. Um, It it seems as though they basically just said, you know, this is what you wanted. We apologize. (laughs) Uh, There you go. (laughs) We are going to make this this better. and I, again, I, I cannot stress enough how impressed I was that they actually had that group specifically doing basically on on the run playtesting constantly and, and giving them feedback that they could then incorporate as opposed to it being necessarily in-house people. I forget it was I forget the name of the group. Um, it was basically a lot of their their big streamers and, yeah. uh, you know, big hardcore gamers and stuff who they brought in. And yeah, that's 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 the way you do it. Right. Yeah, to actually, the... to actually see what people want. Um, now, I'm I'm concerned. I guess you could say concerned. I'm curious. I guess curious or concerned. I'm wondering from the standpoint of given the fact that they're saying that we will be having seasons of content that will be free as DLC, um, whether or not I guess number one, um, whether or not uh, we can expect something different 
DLC-wise in terms of what we would usually see from a game with paid DLC and a season pass versus a game where it's all free and being released as seasons? Uh, will it be a trickle at a time? Will it be in batches? Will we see uh, more in terms of, of new types of maps? Is it going to be more characters? Is it going to feel as though we're getting as much as we got when we were paying for it? And if not, to what extent not? And that sort of thing. So to me, there's part of it is the... I wonder how they're going to approach this whole DLC thing if it's not going to be paid, uh, and there's not a subscription or anything like that to it either. And it also makes me wonder if there's other monetization that will go into it, because as soon as Michael started talking about we're going to have all these different color schemes for the clones, I'm back here thinking it's not going to change your gameplay, but it's cosmetic. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the perfect era area for them to do microtransactions. Which, yeah, have which, they said no microtransactions? No, they, they said they will have microtransactions. Right. Well, they said they, okay, so they will. And now, is it all cosmetic? Well, from what I, unless I, I misunderstood this, it's stuff that you don't have to pay for, mm-hmm. but you can pay for. And, and I, yes, I think it's more... Like the early unlocks? Faster. Like the right. early unlocks that you could do for the first one? Yeah. and okay. That's what it sounds like. I, I'm not super clear, but yeah, it right. sounds like it's easier faster you can progress a little bit faster unlock a weapon earlier maybe get more high-powered star cards something like that but yeah so there'll be some kind of cash flow once a post-release to help support these seasons of content in theory but i'm so glad they're not fracturing the fan base this time and asking people to pay 50 dollars for an expansion pack on a for you know dlc on a 60 dollar game right right And right. and that's my thing too is um, what we're getting, so it look, you know, from everything we're seeing, and, and and also that's what I was saying earlier. All we're really seeing right now is Theed. So I feel mm-hmm. like we're getting a more complete game than we got last time, and we can, you know, we can actually say, oh, okay, well, so we know if this is all the stuff we're getting for the, you know, the Clone Wars era, then we are probably going to be getting stuff, especially because we know that's where the game's going to be taking place for the, um you know, OT and the, the sequel era. So right there, that makes me feel like there's a lot going to be in this game out of the box. And I, yeah. I you know, as far as like other DLC coming, if they're not going to charge us for it, I'm completely fine with that DLC being um, something similar to the first free DLC that we got from uh, the Battlefront game a couple mm-hmm. years ago you know i thought Jakku, that was pretty right? good yeah yeah the jaku i thought the jaku stuff was was pretty good for free dlc um and i but that i mean that wasn't that the only free dlc that we ever got or did they do another one well they they did updates and and add like new costumes and stuff like that and and whatnot but yeah, yeah as far as, more like, as DLC packs, that was the only free one. Right, yeah. but if if that's if that's as if we don't get anything more than that going forward, I'm okay with that. You know, I think for yeah, free, and and we will get a lot more than that. Yeah, uh, but I'm okay with it too. Yeah, yeah three well, times the content. <laughs> right, and uh, like I said, to don't me, don't make people do the math because the first number is kind of small. So three times it's still kind of small. <laughs> um, but uh, you know that that's. That to me, like I said, I I think that I actually do. Um, both of you guys have have seen me in my my ragiest, so so you may disagree, but I, I think that I, I, you know, I think that I'm fair on, on what I expect and what I I want. And I like I said, I think that from what it appears, you know, just looking at what we've seen so far, and and you say, okay, it's if it's going to be like that across, you know, all three uh, eras then I think that's a lot of awesome, fun gameplay. 
And so if we get just that little bit uh, that we're also not paying for, I think that's great, and and I'm I'm super excited about it. Um, now I, I may be mistaken, and William, you may know better on this, but aren't there supposed to be like twenty something heroes that they're going to have this go around? Oh, that's a good question. I actually don't know how, the exact number of heroes. I know we're getting Finn post launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Finn and Phasma um, aren't the, those are the the post launch. Uh, yeah, and there's a, a large number of heroes in the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, I think I think they're doing a a great job, and I don't really mind that you can use heroes in different eras that maybe they're not from, right? Right. Oh yeah, well, I think, that's I think okay. yeah, that's... it's not it's not con doesn't follow continuity, right? But... <laughs> and and to yeah. me, it's I would rather have the um you know that open sandbox uh, era rather than than being stuck to oh okay you can only do this because of this or whatever you know I, I get that like okay Ray wouldn't necessarily be able to run around in clones but I don't see any reason that Ray can't go to feed and you know that's the thing like uh, you were talking about earlier Nate is like. I don't think, I mean, I don't want them to try to shoehorn it in just to make it happen if they can't make the story work, but I don't see any reason that, um, what's uh, Iso or whatever the, the main character's name or whatever? I did Verso. Yeah, like, I don't see any reason she can't go to feed, you know, later on. It's not like the planet was blown up. I mean, it's not all right. Yeah. Well, and, well and you had Leia go there about. in Shattered Empire. Exactly, exactly. Right, and, and actually, we've seen in even uh, Rebels, right, where... Uh, they they go to oh shoot what was the the old Clone Wars base mm-hmm. it was an episode written by Brett Friedman uh, last season um, yeah it uh, was uh, the final war or whatever it was called yeah yeah the last battle yeah um, and we got to see you know uh, um, Ezra and the rest of the the mm-hmm. crew of the Ghost go up against battle droids right. right and I don't see any reason why they couldn't have a mission a mission or something in battlefront where it's like oh look here's a bunch of abandoned droids right uh, let's go fight them but yep. you're you're not in a different era mm-hmm. you're you know but mm-hmm. i totally see that yeah maybe and, somewhere deep in the bowels of thieid there's still some battle droids i don't know yeah and the last <laughs> and, and and parts of what was in maul's bowels when he got bisected oh. <laughs> also. um i'll tell you what the I guess my last thought on Battlefront is is just quite simply, there was a point at which it looked like they outed the idea that it is PSVR compatible in some way, and then PlayStation turned around and said, we have nothing to announce about that at this time. <laughs> I, I can only right. cross my fingers that uh, right. that we will be seeing t- some type of VR content as well, because the X-Wing VR mission was great, but it also was very short and only whetted our appetites for Star so Wars many buttons. VR. So, so many buttons. Here's hoping. Give <laughs> give us Star Wars VR with the PSVR aim controller, and let's go kill they some. Do it. I'm I'm gonna press baddies. all the buttons, Nate. You're gonna press all the buttons. You're gonna walk over to the side, and you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna be like, I'm stuck in the geometry again. <laughs> Nate's gonna be like, Dang I it. can't move my feet, but I can shoot. Oh look, I jumped, and half the floor went with me. Yeah, so, that that's exactly how it's going to work. He he likes breaking things. It's so like, much seeing fun, if he can William. break the game. It's so much fun. Just play it. It I was, I was playing it my way. This is not Burger King. You can't do it your way and you're not going to have diarrhea afterwards. Yeah, that's some you of that's played it fun. your way. <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> but um one thing I want to hit because as as we've said uh you know, ships are, are so important to me. Um, we've seen the uh, with the vulture droid fighters um, in in gameplay. We've seen the uh, the V wing. 
And we've seen the uh, Naboo Starfighter. Uh, am I missing anything that we've seen for this as far as uh, vehicles that you get to, to drive? I know, of course, there was the um, the ATRT as we got to see running around. Um, do you guys the recall? The tanks, the ATT. Yeah. The, the ATT is in this game? And, and the tank is, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, or so- ATT. AT, I always get those, get the, the name of it confused. It's either two A's and a T or, two, or an A and two T's. So, so William, I mean, what are you, uh, for your final thoughts on the game? I, you know, I thought they did an amazing job. They did everything they needed to do with this game. Um, they've got a story. They've got massive multiplayer spanning three eras, which means, you know, we're going to get lots more maps, free DLC. Yeah, they got microtransactions. We'll see how that works. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think they're going to ruin multiplayer just for the microtransactions, right? So... I'm I'm very excited. I'm way more excited about this Battlefront 2 than I ever was for the first one, even though I was I was hyped about the first one. I knew it was multiplayer only. This one has a real campaign, and I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing. And it's not just a real campaign. It's, from what I've heard, it's a good campaign. Yes. Um, so, yep. I can't wait. All right. Ditto what William said, so I don't need a final word. <laughs> awesome so William man I appreciate you, you coming on and you know really backing me up like I said I, I, I think I was the only one who was uh, positive going into that celebration panel and uh, everybody else seemed to be against them but I, I believed in them the whole time <laughs> you can back me up on that right uh, yes yes you were you were you were behind uh, dice the entire time <laughs> fake news fake news <laughs> <laughs> Nate, Nate likes it because I, I basically said something along the lines of how are they going to screw this up but I changed my tone you convinced you and that's what they needed to do and they did it so I'm, I am super thrilled uh, but I tell you what, man, so that's that's going to uh, wrap us up. But I want you, everyone, I want you to tell everyone uh, where they can find you. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I am uh, I can be found on Twitter at masterdevwi d e v w i, and I uh, I host the Ion Canon podcast where we talk about the the canon of Star Wars. We have our eye on the canon of Star Wars. Get it, Ion Canon. And and so it's on Star Wars Report. We talk about Rebels. Uh, we just started reviewing uh, Free Maker Adventures season two course the games and, and everything else the books so yeah come uh check it out thank you for having me on this was a lot of fun i'm glad to glad to join you guys yeah man uh like i said i appreciate you you coming on and uh nate you can be found in places yes i'm just sorry i'm just i'm still reeling because first off i didn't know it was star wars in gaming instead of star wars and gaming it's our own <laughs> freaking show and i never got the eye on canon thing either <laughs> <laughs> oh really uh, yes, uh, <laughs> so you can find uh, uh, me also on Star Wars Beyond the Films, which is also on StarWarsReport.com, talking about uh, canon and legend stuff with Mark Herleman. You can find my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chronoradio. Uh, that's where you'll find stuff like from the Star Wars Home Video Library. And, of course, there's my new book, A Saga on Home Video, A Fan's Guide to U.S. Star Wars Home Video Releases, which is available now on Amazon.com in pretty much any region at this point. So check it out, please. Awesome. And then, of course, I can be found on both Instagram and Twitter at Morris Isley. And the show, of course, can be found on the Star Wars uh, podcast app in the Google Play Store. There you go, Nate. 
the uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, and then, of course, iTunes. And we would love it if you would go and leave us a five-star review um, on those. I know it takes a little bit of time, but seriously, guys, we appreciate it. We haven't got one in a while. Somebody give us one would read it out loud. That's what we do. Uh, but anyhow, we also can be uh, reached over at uh, CloudCityCasino at gmail.com. And then, of course, uh, we're just on Twitter and Facebook uh, at Cloud City Casino. And then, of course, our home base, uh, StarWarsReport.com, where you can also find Ion Cannon. And I think that pretty much covers everything. Unless, did I miss anything, Nate? Nope. Awesome. So, then the only thing left to be said is... Let the Wookiee win. Especially if he's having trouble enunciating X and S in Shrewook. It's hard enough in English. God. <laughs> Whatever, Scooby. And William's gotta go, dude. Come on, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just I was wrapping up. Do you have anything making sure? That's fine. We're not always funny. Most people say we're never. We're usually funny. not funny. <laughs> All right. We're just in character briefly. This party's over.